Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. 1 Samuel 30 is one of my favourite chapters of the whole of the Bible, and it's quite a profound story of loss and then a vision to regain what was taken away. And I know that for many of us right now, I talk to people all over Australia and indeed other parts of the world. And I know that a lot of people right now are wrestling with circumstances and situations they did not design and they did not want. And so I believe that this morning, the Holy Spirit can do something quite profound. I want you to lean in. I never preach anything in order to deliver information. I believe that God wants to deliver transformation to your life and to mine. I was speaking to someone during the week who said, you know, I listen to it live and then I go back and listen again and again. And every time I listen, some more sustenance and spiritual nourishment comes to my life. Let's read 1 Samuel 30, just the first few verses. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag, that was their home base, on the third day that the Amalekites, their enemies, had invaded the south and Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they'd taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They didn't kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Don't you love the fact that the Bible does not hide human emotion and the depths of pain that we can endure? It doesn't pretend that it's all roses or that it's all easy. But the Bible says, I know what your life is like. I believe today that if you're struggling, God knows. And He's not asking you to hold it together or to pretend. But He wants to journey with you in the midst of whatever pain you have. I know others will be in the middle of great joy and blessing. I speak to particularly business people who've been saying to me, at least a couple every week, saying to me, I'm busier than ever. I've just got that tender or that contract came through. So I know that we're all across the whole gamut of human emotion, the whole spectrum of pain and joy. So David, though, is in the middle of pain. Let's read on. Verse 5 says, And David's two wives, Ohiniam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, they'd been taken captive. Now, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of every man was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Pause there again a minute. God understands that grief and pain can make people react in unusual and in negative ways. I want you to understand God knows what humans are like because He made them. And so don't think that your pain or that your responses cut you off from God. Don't think that somehow or other what you're going through right now, God's oblivious to. And He's waiting for you to pull your socks up before He will journey on with you. These men are about to kill the very leader that's been their hero and their rescuer. But let's read on. 
This is one of my favourite verses or parts of a verse of the whole of the Bible. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. It says, but David strengthened himself. The King James says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7, then David said to Abiathar, the priest Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod, the priestly garment, here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Verse 8 says, so David inquired of the Lord. Now listen to this, this is where I'm going to take you today. David inquired of the Lord saying this, not why, not when's it going to happen, not it's not fair, not it's all bad. Oh God, where were you when I needed you? Listen to the heart of this man. He says, shall I pursue this troop, the enemy? Shall I overtake them? Ask any one of the 601 men there, what would you like to see happen? What are you hoping for? And every single one of them will have exactly the same answer. You see, they're all in the same boat. And 601 are going to say, I just want my family back. I'm always intrigued about difference. Why does one person in the same circumstance as another, why does one rise and go forward with leadership? And why does another stumble and think of doing away with everything that is part of the answer for their life? Why does one person go through a sickness and hold on to God with a strength that's supernatural and unbelievable? And another person says, God never helped me at all and turn their back on the things of God. Why is it one person can go through a business valley one where they look like losing it all, but they walk through with calmness and a peace despite the turmoil. When another one says, well, what good did all of my tithing and giving do for me? I'm always interested in that difference. I know this much, that only one man had the impetus to step out of the emotional turmoil and to ask like he did in verse 8, shall I pursue? God, I could sit here with them. We can lament and wail. We can dissect it all. We can talk in, in analytics about everything that's wrong. But God, I don't know what they're going to do. But God, I know what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask you a question that throws the responsibility back to me. I'm not going to say, God, where were you? I'm going to say, God, where do you want me to be? Not where are you, God, but God, where do you want me to be? I know that having a dream of what you'd like to happen is not the same as pursuing a vision. The Lord dropped this in my heart a couple of weeks ago. It's where this message comes from, really. I heard him say one day, you can't pursue what you can't see. I only remember playing it really a couple of times in my life. But when I was a kid, I remember other people got us into this game called Blind Man's Bluff. Is that what it's called? I think that's that. Blind Man's Bluff. It's where you blindfold somebody and then they've got to catch people. And I don't remember all the rules of it. I, I think they've got to make a noise or something or other and then you kind of go to where they were. And all I remember was the difficulty of trying to catch 
someone you can't see. If you can't see the vision, how can you go after it? If you can't go after it, how will you ever possess it? Listen to me this morning, because I know for some people they go, listen, stop trying to perk me up. Stop trying to inspire me and get me going. Oh, you're missing the point. I'm not trying to just get you motivated because that will last about from here to the car park. It really won't last until your next bit of bad news. I want you to understand a powerful truth and principle that you can build into your life. Because you know what? You might listen to me speak maybe a half an hour or an hour a week, but you listen to you preach, well, 168 hours a week, even when you're asleep, your brain is still working. Many of you wake up after a dream going, what was that about? And you're trying to analyse it because your subconscious was talking to you. And so for many of us, we need to understand how do I journey this? What do I do? And David engages with a vision. Everybody else sees the circumstance, but one man sees the future. Everybody else sees what has happened. One man sees what can happen. And the one man who sees what can happen is the one who leads the people who can't see anything. And the one man who can see it goes and gets the result along with the people that go with him. And so I want you to watch today what David does and indeed what we've all got to do. I don't think this is for church world, if that thing exists. I don't believe in some artificial demarcation, some line between spiritual life and natural life. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. All my life is spiritual. There isn't one part of it, whether it's in business, whether it's in my social life, whether it's in my hobbies, my whole life, I don't, I don't do church. According to the Bible, we are the church. And therefore, wherever we are, God wants to be a part of our everyday life. And so regardless of where your life sits right now, and I realise I'm speaking to people in other parts of the world as well. And maybe where you are, it's not like Perth and Western Australia where lockdown, well, we left that behind. We're, we've, we've got hard borders, but really we're going out and, and I don't want to make you jealous, uh, but really life's pretty good here right now. Um, well, for most of us, yeah, okay, all right. I'll get, someone will send me an email. Well, you should be in my boat. Uh, no, you won't. I know you wouldn't do that. But think about this a minute. This is David's darkest day. He slays Goliath. He's made in charge of the armed forces. Then Saul, troubled by an evil spirit, goes to kill him. And David's hunted out of the palace. And he literally has got nobody. He takes with him the sword of Goliath. And that's all he's got. He doesn't want his family to come lest they suffer the same fate that the king has decreed for him. And he's hunted everywhere. It's a pretty crazy time. It's not good. The Bible says that these 600 men, and it gives you the description of what they're like. It says they were in debt, distressed and discontented. How many people would like that for your staff? How many people want that to be your workplace? They're all in debt, whole lot. They're all distressed. Not one of them is a happy camper. Every one of them is going like, are you kidding me? I hate my life. I hate my job. I hate everybody. 
How many people say that does sound like my workplace? I saw a couple of hands there. Uh, they're discontented. Not one of them is going, oh, praise God for the call of God. Yes, thank you, Lord. Everything is beautiful. They're not singing that. They're all singing, oh, God, why, 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 Delilah? Oh, no, that's another story. Uh, they're, all, they're, they're all upset, but it's David's darkest day. His family's gone. He doesn't know what the issue is, only that there's no bodies there. It's his worst moment. He can't imagine it getting any worse than this. Here's the funny thing. Two chapters later, he's crowned king of all Judah. Two chapters after that, he's made king of all of Israel, United Nation. He goes from zero to hero in a very short space of time, but it's in a dark place where he is at the moment. Can you see the vision of God for your life? regardless of the emotional whirlwind that's going on. I, someone said to me just this week, they said, you know, I feel like at church we are hearing vision and God is speaking something that is sustaining us in the midst of trouble. This is the time right now, believe it or not, this is the time for the people of God to see fresh vision. This is the time right now where you and I need to step up and say to God, I'm going to see you do something miraculous and marvellous in my life and through my life. I know there's trouble, but in the midst of great trouble, Jesus is usually talking to you about tomorrow. He's usually talking to you about faith. He's usually talking to you about vision. Oh, that's easy for you. Oh, you have no idea whether it is or it isn't. I'm no different to you in that I've got a life and I've got family and I've got issues and things around about. And, but I keep hearing the Holy Spirit talk to me about vision. Keep seeing it. Keep holding on to it. Don't let anyone push you out of it. Don't give it up because things look bad. Keep hold of what God said to you. So what does David do? I'm just going to give you a few things this morning. Firstly, he positioned himself to hear. Verse 6, why do I love it? It says, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Do you know why David encouraged himself? Because there was no one else. The other guys aren't going, oh, listen, we know it's bad, but you're our amazing leader. We love you. Mm, yeah. They're not doing that. They're, they're looking around for a rock. They're going, he's my trouble. He's done. They're thinking of getting rid of him. It's not a good space at all. He encouraged himself in the Lord. What does it do when you encourage yourself in the Lord? Listen to this. It shuts out all the noise. Come on, you're either listening to the emotional wind and waves swirling around about your life, your heart and your mind, all this, like all that. I was in uh, Exmouth a few weeks back, went to the community. It's a museum, I think. It's called the Visitor Centre. Well worth going to and going to the museum thing there. But in there, apparently a cyclone hit Exmouth a bunch of years back. I've been to the one in Darwin and the museum with Cyclone Tracy. And the thing that struck me was that in both of those museums, the thing that people most talk about is not the power of the wind, but the noise of the wind. 
they say you can go into, like they have a headphones and there's a recording of the sound of the howling wind. And they say it's greater than that of standing next to a plane taking off. Some of you right now, you're in the middle of things where the howling wind is the biggest noise that's drowning out the voice of God. Come on, encourage yourself in the Lord. Don't wait for someone else to bring it to you, to prophesy it to you. Don't wait for someone else to come up. Begin to say, I'm going to position myself to hear. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says, I'll stand my watch and I'll see what He will say. We see, we see literally scores of people leading Metro Church online connect groups around the world, lifting, administering to people. Big shout out, by the way. Pamela and Timothy Sanya started yesterday their Metro Church online connect group. Well done, you guys. I love you. I think you're doing fantastic. So first of all, position yourself to hear. You don't do that in one message in one moment. Are you your biggest cheerleader? I'm not talking about prideful arrogance, some kind of, well, aren't I amazing? I'm talking about encouraging yourself in the Lord. God, you're my God. This is what you're going to do. Come on, read the Bible, not to discover how, how much judgment is awaiting the world. Read the Bible to discover how much encouragement God has for you. Come on. Second thing that David does is he moves in the direction of his vision. I believe that God's favourite word is yes, but I believe his second favourite word is go. Do you know why? Because two thirds of God is go. It's his second favourite word. Start moving in the direction of your vision. Come on. You know, enrol in that course. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to. You've got to start. Oh, I've got this business dream. Have you found a mentor or somebody who can input to you? Someone who's successful? Oh, they wouldn't want to talk to me. Oh, yes. You'd be amazed how many people will talk to you. But see, if you don't move in the direction of the vision, well, really, you're just like the 600. You're just going to sit there and complain. You're going to sit there and say, this is bad. David positions himself to hear and then he moves in the direction of what he hears. Here's the last one. The third thing David does is he persists through inevitable difficulties. I didn't really want to say that one. I want, to, I want to have an everything is beautiful life. What a wonderful world. That's what I want. But I've discovered that everyone's journey's got inevitable difficulties. So let me read to you verse 9 and 10. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him. Woo! Look at them. Bold, strong, burly, hungry to get their family back. Yeah! And they came to the brook Besor where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued. He and 400 men, for 200 men stayed behind who were so weary they couldn't get over the brook. How many people here, if you lost one third of your resources, because that's what happened to him, one third of his fighting force, gone. How many of you have lost one third of it going to go, oh, I knew it was a bad idea. Should have stayed home. At least we'd be here. How am I going to win with just that? How am I going to make it? This guy, the, I think the champion thing about David, one, is that he encourages himself when no one else will. 
Secondly is that he took action in the same direction as his vision. But the third thing, I'm not sure it's not the greatest of all. He just keeps on going. They don't come, so what? We used to sing a song years ago, though none go with me, still I will follow. Are you looking around at everybody else? You ever been on the freeway and all of a sudden the traffic's all stopped? I remember being like that on only a little while back on the freeway and I'm thinking there must be a bus overturned and a whole bus full of people are strewn over the freeway because like three lanes is stopped and like for half an hour I'm trying to get there. And I'm going, what is it? When I finally got to the bottleneck place, guess what it was? One car in the emergency lane with the bonnet hood for those in other parts of the world. The hood up and a bloke stand there. And I'm going, are you kidding me? But then I realised why three lanes stopped. Because everyone who drove past did this. Huh? And everybody stopped because everybody got distracted. Are you looking at what everyone else is up to? Or you're saying, God, you spoke to me. I heard you. God, I'm taking steps in the direction of my vision. And Lord, whatever happens, that's where I'm going in Jesus' name. One third of his resources disappear. And this man of God says, I'm going to keep on going. Come on. I believe right now God wants to, and I say this with every ounce of, of zeal from my, from my heart is, I believe God wants us to pursue vision. Come on. Now's not the time for tiring out. Now's not the time for saying it's too hard. Now's not the time for going, oh, wow. Now's the time for saying, God, I'm going to press in in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. I know lots of you, wherever you are, you know, Pastor Bruce and Solomon, they're going to be in, in ministry time in a minute. and You'll be able to send in your prayer points or the things that you're praying for. Why don't you ask them to pray for you for that area of vision? Maybe you're getting tired. That's all right. I'm pretty sure David was tired. He just kept going. Lord, we want to be the kind of people that run after the vision You've given us. Thank You, Lord, for not hiding our humanity as though it's our brokenness that keeps You out. When the truth is, Lord, it's our brokenness that invites You in. Jesus, I pray for people today. Some of these people, Lord, are facing sicknesses or business things that are huge. Their mind screams with all of the whirling thoughts of what could be. And so Lord, in the middle of all that, we quieten our soul. We know that if you speak to us, everything changes. One man went out because he just heard pursue. You didn't tell him how or where or how long. You just said go. And he won as a result of that. Father, I thank you for that. Pray for men and women, young people, old people, whoever's. Would you help them today in Jesus' name? Lord, I pray for people as well that somewhere along the way they used to follow you and they drifted off. Now they're 
feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit to them saying, come on, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come back. The great shepherd of the sheep is looking for you. Pray God for them as they make their yes to you. Pray for those, Lord, who've never started with you. Today will be the beginning of their best days as they say, yes, Lord. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. In a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to worship the Lord again together and then ministry time with Pastor Bruce and Solomon. But lots of you are going to say your yes today to God. It's so much on my heart of late, beyond, uh, beyond anything I could have strategically thought of. I feel like God in this season is reaching out to people that used to walk with Him and lost their way. Why don't you say yes? If you're in Australia, it's the easiest thing of all. 488 Send in yes. The next day after you do that, on one screen of your smartphone, you get a Bible verse and a prayer. It's different every day. It goes for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like, but I want you to know it comes from us, from our church. It's not from anywhere else. We don't do anything with the data, with your phone number. We simply want to be a part of helping you go from your yes to all the other yeses that God is going to bring to your life. If you're outside of Australia or you'd prefer to get that help via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're in the building and you want to talk to someone about that, your yes, go to the Connect Hub, they'll help you. I pray that God will speak to your life. I pray that you'll quieten the storm so you can hear Him. I know that God's got something great for all of us. He's not rocked off the throne by what's going on in the world. He's still Lord of all, in Jesus' name.